Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We're in a series called Running with the Giants, and this is the third installment. We've got about eight weeks going in this series, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's so far, the feedback that I've gotten from you has been um, very, very positive, and I, I just thank you for your kind words. The, the anchor verse for this, and if you want to turn to Jonah, we're going to look at Jonah today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Jonah, Jonah's not easy to find, okay, so let me warn you, before you go trying to find that book in the Bible, it's, it's not real big, it's hidden between some kind of bigger books. If you would go about two-thirds of the way into your Bible, that's about where you're going to find Jonah. It's going to be kind of in that area. But before we get to Jonah, I want to read kind of the anchor verse for the whole series, Running with the Giants, and it comes out of a passage in Hebrews that says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. And the idea is that these great men and women of God who have done these incredible things for God, what we would call the heroes of the faith, uh, Hebrews kind of makes reference of them as the, it's, it's almost like the hall of fame of faith, these great men and women. And, and the idea here is that they watch us run our race like they're in the grandstand watching us run the race of life as we take our laps and the idea is that um, you know they watch us do that and so the idea of the, the sermon series is if we could take one giant at a time and bring them out of the crowd and have them run one lap with us what would it sound like what would they say to us what encouragement would they give to us as we run our race based on what they experienced and based on some of the things that they did in their successes and some of the things that they did in their failures. And so today we call upon Jonah, and what's interesting about Jonah is that he is known as a man who made lots of bad decisions and he got himself in, a, in pretty big messes, okay? Which you might hear that and go, well, that's me. Um, I know that that's been me a time or two in my life. All of us can identify with Jonah because we've probably all at one time or another made a decision or a series of decisions that didn't go well for us and got us in all kinds of trouble. And, you know, we're like, how in the world did I get here? And so in honor of the bad decisions and bad choices we make, I just have a little fun this morning to start with. I brought five pictures to show you to illustrate some bad choices, okay? So here's the first one. I don't know how well you can see what's going on in this picture, so I'm going to have to explain some of this to you. These are three um, young men who are in a swimming pool, and as you might see on the table, there are some adult beverages which might have contributed to the choices that were made in this case, but there are flip-flops floating in that pool, and there's a power strip floating on the flip-flops with a cord plugged into it with something on the table getting power and then the cord from the power strip is running to the edge of the pool and is I assume plugged into something else can we just all agree that's a really bad idea okay real okay you think that's good let's look at the next one I don't even need to say anything right I mean that's just a bad idea that's a bad idea you know it's a, yeah, I'm just going to let that go. Let's go to the next one. Somebody woke up this morning and decided that they would put a forklift on a forklift to forklift something to another level. Um, you know, we, we believe in a level above here at, in Terre Haute, but that is just taking it too far, right? That's just too far. So 
Then let's go to the next one. I don't know if that's photoshopped or not. I don't think that's photoshopped. And I'm just wondering how he's going to get that car back up that hill is what I'm... And, you know, I've seen Jeeps with the thing that says on the windshield, if, if you find this upside down, flip it over. Um, I think that's about where that one's going to end up. I, I can't imagine doing that. But he did. So, awesome. That's a great advertisement for Jeep, I guess. If that, I think that's a Jeep. Okay, and then, the, and then the last one is this. I don't know if you can see that, but that's the beach that you see behind him. Look how high in the air he is hanging off that. That's... Uh, that's crazy talk right there. Um, so anyway, I just thought, just for fun, just to start off, I would illustrate, just so you don't feel bad for the bad choices you've made, some bad choices other people have made, I'm going to assume that young man got back up on the cliff and he made it off okay. So what we're talking about today is God always gives us a second chance. That's where we're going today. God always gives us a second chance. So let's turn to Jonah And let's see what Jonah has to say to us this morning. This comes from Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and this is what the the Lord said. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And then we read this unfortunate line in in Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, in biblical times, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, And today, that would be like northern Iraq. If you were going to look for that on a map somewhere, you would find that in northern Iraq. Jonah is heading towards Tarshish, and Tarshish is on the the, uh, sea coast, the, the coast of Spain. And God said, I want you to go northeast. And what we find is that Jonah is headed southwest. So he's going as far as he can get from what God has called him to do. All right, so let's just call that what it is. That's a bad decision. That's a bad choice. Now, if you know anything about the Assyrians, you can understand why Jonah would have done what he's doing, okay? It's it's understandable that he would want to go in a different direction. Um, They were basically the terrorists of their day. Everybody was afraid of them. They would come in. They would ravage your land. They They were just awful, brutal people. They would take people hostage. If you didn't get on with the plan, any resistance that rose up, this is a brutal people. They were pagans, and, and, and they would just mess with you. They'd mess you up. And so God has asked Jonah to go to that city and preach against them so that they could have the chance to repent and come to the Lord. And then we read in verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish, to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Verse 5, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, when I was, uh, before I was a, a, a pastor, I was a youth pastor, and spent a lot of time with kids, both here at Cross Lane for about eight and a half, nine years, and and also before that at a church in Seymour, Indiana for about four and a half years. And one of the things that I was fond of saying to the the kids that I had under my charge, and I even use it today in counseling, I've said this to my own kids many times, I've quoted this to myself many times, but but I, I like this saying, life is a series of choices, every choice has a consequence. 
Life is a series of choices, and every choice has a consequence. Every decision we make has a cost. And the bad decisions we make a lot of times don't only just cost us, but they cost other people. In the second half of verse 5 of Jonah 1, it says, But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And I think it happens to all of us at some point where we can be completely oblivious to the choices we have made and the fallout and how it affects other people. Every decision we make carries with it an impact. And every decision we make in some way is making us. So one of the questions that we're asking today is, are we making decisions in our life that are causing us to draw closer to God, or are the decisions we're making in life, are they causing us to draw away and get farther away from God? Because here's what I'm pretty sure this morning. I'm pretty sure that very few of us, if any of us in the room, are static. We're moving, we're dynamic, we're going either further away or moving closer to the Lord. So that's a question for you to consider this morning. Are the choices I'm making drawing me closer to God, or are they driving me away from him like Jonah? Because that's what Jonah did. Jonah made a decision, drove him away from the Lord. So the storm comes. With the storm comes a crisis situation. This is a bad storm. Jonah wakes up. He sees what's going on around him, and he takes responsibility for what he sees going on and for the decision he's made. He says, you know what? This is my fault. It's my fault that this storm has come upon you. So I want to give you three things that you can do when you make a bad choice. This is from the life of Jonah. First thing is, when we make a bad choice, we need to take responsibility for our bad choice. Just take responsibility for it. Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. This is verse 12. And it will be calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon us. See, when you've made a wrong choice, you need to get to the right place. And step one is take responsibility for the decision that you've made. Proverbs says this, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful, but, he conf- but if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. I'm so glad we serve a God who gives us a second chance. Coach John Wooden is someone that you are, if you live in Indiana, you're usually fairly familiar with Coach Wooden. He spent some time here in Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh, he was a 10-time national champion, has authored many books. He's just known as just this wise uh, old man that lived. He's gone to be with Jesus now. He was a strong Christian man. Um, Have great respect for Coach Wooden. And this is a quote from Coach Wooden. You are not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. You are not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. And I think at different times in our lives, we probably have all have been that. You know, we've, we've, we've tried to blame it on somebody or something else, and we don't ever want to just look in the mirror and say, no, this is, this is mine, it's my responsibility. But that's step one. They pick Jonah up, they throw him overboard, Here's the awesome thing this morning. God knew that Jonah was going to make the mistake he made, and and God knew that Jonah was headed in the wrong direction. God allows this storm to wake him up to what he'd done. This storm is like a wake-up call for Jonah, causes a crisis not just for him, but for an awful lot of other people. But here's the cool thing about God. He knew what was going to happen to Jonah, and he knew that Jonah was going to be thrown off that ship And guess what? God was already prepared for that. That was not a surprise for him. He's prepared for it. 
You see, even when we make bad choices and even when we bring crisis in other people's lives, what's awesome about God is that he is there and waiting on us to rescue us. If you've made bad choices this morning and you've walked in here and you're facing the crisis of some of the decisions that you've made, God is waiting to help you with that. He wants to rescue you. You see, God's love and you see God's mercy at work in Jonah's life. This man who has rebelled against God and his will, God is waiting for him at his point of crisis with salvation for him in the form of a big fish. Now, I know some of you are in here thinking, really, Brett, um, you're not as smart as those kids on stage if you expect me to believe that Jonah spent time in the belly of a big fish. Now, let me just address that for you, okay? Because what you're thinking is, do you really expect me to believe that Jonah spent time in the belly of a fish? No, I don't expect you to believe that. I'm just going to tell you this. I believe it. And here's why I believe it. I believe it because Jesus believed it. And my policy in life, Andy Stanley taught me this a long time ago. Andy, I've heard him say this many times. I just kind of go with the guy who lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. If he believes it, I believe it right? He knows more than me. And so I'm not, you don't have to believe in, in, in this story, um, but Jesus did, and I do, and um, I think there's some great lessons in it for us. So let's think about it for a minute. How would you like to be the fish? Okay, you got this person inside of you, you can't eat anything, you're swimming around, you can't eat anything, you can't pass anything, you ever, not to get too TMI, but been there and done that? That's tough, right? I mean, that's, that's just tough. And, and this fish is in a rough place, and Jonah's in a rough place, but Jonah did the one thing that he needed to do once he got to that place. He turned to God. He turns to God. He repented, which means he turned away from the bad choice that he has made, which is step two in the recovery process for us when we make a bad choice. Repent from the bad decision. Turn away from the bad choice that you've made. Verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, this is while he's inside, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, God, what you want me to say to these people, I'm ready to say to them. God, when I get out of this mess, I'm running in your direction. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to run to you. When I get out of this, we have to repent. Acts says, repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Bruce Wilkinson said this, Repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. See, you can pray prayers of repentance. It's easy to pray prayers of repentance. The harder part is to do something in your life that represents that change that you've made in your head. We can, we can do it in our head, and we can pray those prayers, but the, the, the rubber really meets the road when you do something with your life and you change what you're going after. Here's the question. After you pray the prayer, then what do you do? Where do you turn? You have to turn away from that bad decision, and you have to turn in the right direction. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah turns toward Nineveh, which was the place that God had called him to all along. There are three... Uh, lessons for us and the lessons that we um, 
the lesson for us in this is that we've just got to turn our hearts to God. I mean, a lot of times the decisions we make are because our heart is not toward God. We, in fact, a lot of times we're not even thinking about God when we make the decision, which is really should be the first thing that scares us to death, that God is not present in the middle of the decisions that we're making. See, the, the heart turns, and then we've got to turn. Our, our life, our bodies, our, you know, what we're doing with our life, it's got to turn. That's what repentance is. I have a change of heart. I have a change of mind. I have a change of direction. I'm headed this way, and all of a sudden, I change, and I go the other direction. That's really what repentance is. So we're told that the fish vomited Jonah up on dry land. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine? Just imagine what that, what you would smell like, what, I mean, that's just yuck. And then we're told in Jonah 3, verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God's grace. God's love. God's forgiveness looks beyond our faults and our failures to the cry of our hearts and the cry of our bodies. The cry of Jonah's heart was to do God's will, and, and he got sidetracked in that. And in that moment, he let fear and doubt and insecurity change what he would do. Does that describe anybody in this room? Have you ever let fear and doubt and insecurity keep you from doing something that God was so clearly calling you to do? You knew he was. I really think God wants me to do this, but I'm afraid. I'm insecure about it, and I don't know if it's going to work out the way I want it to work out. That's where Jonah was. He, he, he's, he's doubtful. He's afraid to the point that he said, I can't do this. I'm not up to the task. I, I, surely God can get somebody else to go in my place. It doesn't have to be me. And God said, no, Jonah, I want you to go to this great city. And here's what's cool about this story. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I like that. A second time. So what did Jonah do? He got up, and he headed for Nineveh. That brings us to the third way to recover from bad choices, and that is to embrace God's grace. It, it amazes me how many people either refuse to or struggle to do this. Embrace God's grace. That's the third step. See, we serve the God of the second chance. That's, that, that's the beautiful thing. That's the good news. That's what gospel means. When, when you hear somebody say the word gospel, that just means good news. And the good news is you and I get a second chance. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that whatever you've done, you've gone too far and you've gone beyond God's grace. There is no such thing as having gone beyond God's grace. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how recently you've done it. You know, if you say, Brett, if you knew what I was into last night, I don't care. You cannot sin beyond God's ability and willingness to forgive you. That is unbelievable news for some of us in the room this morning. Anytime you sincerely turn back to God, God is there waiting to embrace you. Here's a quote from John Maxwell. I really like this. Grace always runs downhill. It met me when I was at the bottom not at the top. We often underestimate God's grace. Many years ago, there was a man in the Atlantic Ocean sailing from the coast of Africa to the islands of the Caribbean, and his cargo ship was full of slaves. 
And a storm came upon the sea one night that was so great that he feared for his life, and he feared that he would not only lose his life, but he would lose the lives of the cargo, and he would lose the lives of the men that were under his care. And he thought he was going to die that night and face the judgment of God. Back in England, he had a mother who was a godly woman who was praying for him. And she prayed that he would see God's truth and that he would feel God's love for him and that he would turn back from his wickedness in which he was involved and embrace God. And he had allowed greed to consume him to the point that he'd made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And in this desperate hour, he cried out, O Lord, have mercy on me. I am a wretched man. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That man was John Newton, and John Newton wrote the song, Amazing Grace. He was a ship captain that transported slaves on cargo ships, and when he repented that night, he was a new man. God transformed him, and upon his repentance, he pledged his life and returned fully to God, and he joined in the battle to totally liberate, liberate men, women, and children who were caught up in slavery, and he fought alongside the likes of William Wilberforce and John Wesley until finally the British abolished slavery, and that movement finally made its way, and we were able to eradicate slavery in the United States of America. If God could embrace that man, and forgive that man. God can forgive anything that we have done, and God can embrace us. And it is all because of God's amazing grace. Two things real quick. Number one, don't let your bad decisions, your bad choices define you. Sometimes we just make bad choices, and someone else makes, or somebody else makes one, and we get caught up in it somehow. We cannot let that define us. Too many people let their bad decisions define them. Don't let that be you. You are not defined by your bad decisions. You are defined by Jesus when he looks in your eyes by the grace that he offers to you. One of my favorite verses of scripture comes, I, I just love the book of Romans. Um, it's kind of technical and it's really theological, but there's such good stuff in there. And this verse is just classic. If you've been in church any length of time, you've seen this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you read that with me and would you emphasize those two yellow words? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you say that with me? No condemnation with passion. No condemnation. That's what God speaks over every person who's ever given their life to Jesus. From the cross, Jesus took his robe of righteousness and he laid it over each one of us that has given our life to him so that when God looks at you and me, he does not see our failures, he does not see our bad choices, he sees someone who has been forgiven and transformed and redeemed through the amazing grace of Jesus. Don't let your bad choices define you. Secondly, don't let your bad choices disqualify you. Once Jonah hit land, God said a second time, go to Nineveh. And it would have been very easy for Jonah to have said, Lord, I've disqualified myself. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not qualified to go do this for you. 
I, I can't even believe you would even ask me to go after what I've done and the way I've failed. See, God wasn't looking at his disobedience. God was looking at a man that he had called to do a job. And from that point on, what he's saying is, my calling is true. And you might have disobeyed me, and you might have run away as far as the east is from the west, but I will never abandon you even though you've abandoned me. So come on. Let's go. Some of us have made really poor choices, and we feel so lost, and God would look at us and say, I know right where you are, and you can get right back where you need to be. And you need to understand that no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you've messed up, it does not disqualify you from being used by God. It does not. If it, if it was possible for you to be disqualified for your bad choices, then God would never have been able to use Peter on the day of Pentecost because Peter made some horrible choices. If your bad choices kept you from doing big things for God, then we would never have heard of the Apostle Peter who wrote 13 books of the Bible and probably won more people to Jesus than anybody else on the planet. Paul made some horrible choices before he came to Jesus. That's what God does. He takes imperfect people and he uses them for his perfect will, and that includes us. I want to show you a picture. This is very dear man to me this is my pastor um, that is my spiritual father right there and his influence on my life could never be overstated uh, i love that man dearly now you talk about a great preacher and a great pastor that you're looking at a great preacher and a great pastor and he taught me at a very young age about a, a preacher named warren wearsby i want to read you a warren wearsby quote the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you and the power of God can't use you. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. Someone in here desperately needs to hear that this morning. Verse 3 of Jonah 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I want to share with you the story of a young man named Eric Smallridge. You may recognize that name. He was about 23 or 24 years old. He decided to go out drinking with his buddies. And then he made a really, really bad decision. He decided to get behind the wheel of an automobile and try to drive himself home. And it ended in disaster. I have a video I would like for you to watch his story. They said, you don't want to be responsible for this. And I said, responsible for what? And that's when he looked at me and he said, there's two girls that are dead in that car over there. I was a 24-year-old kid facing a minimum of 20 years, and I was scared. Here I was in this very dark world, and my mom dropped the Bible off, and I'm thinking to myself, it's probably too late for me. And that's when another inmate comes over and he starts talking to me. He said, do you believe in, in God? And I said, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really think he wants to have a relationship with me right now. And he said, well, that's where you're wrong. The chaplain came by. We went down to a holding cell, and I gave my life to Christ. On October 3rd, I was brought back to court for sentencing. Hearing each person come up and talk and address the judge and me, it was heart-wrenching. And then Renee 
Megan's mom, had the ability to look over to me and say, I forgive you. Here was this mother who lost her daughter looking at the guy who took that from her and saying that I forgive you. I was so young in Christ at that point that there was still some doubt. Are you sure, God, that you can still accept me? Are you sure that I can be forgiven? And then she spoke it. I just, I fell apart. I'm only really sorry to the families for what I've done. I've caused so much pain. There's nothing I can do. I've asked God to help me. And he has, but that's not going to bring me Lisa back. I wish I could. I would give my life. I would honestly give my life. In August of 2006, we come into this courtroom. It was a very brief hearing. It's called a beggar's motion. No law is discussed. You simply beg for mercy. These families had come to a motion on my behalf. You would expect my family to do that, but then the families, Megan and Lisa's parents and brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, it was like, holy cow, they're supporting that. Even if the judge says no, the blessing's already been given. And the judge came back. He said, on recess, I read something, and it was in Micah 6, 8. Oh man, what does the Lord require of thee? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He said, I have never in my life seen anything like this. Mr. Smallridge, these families have come here to try to give you a second chance at life. So I'm gonna run these sentences concurrent. Without receiving forgiveness, you can't move forward. There is no hope. If we don't forgive self or receive forgiveness from the things we've done in our past, we have to still accept it from Christ and to know that as long as we turn away from those actions and as long as we walk the walk that is approved in God's eyes, that we are truly forgiven. Eric would spend 11 years in prison and he would get out and Megan's mother, Renee, would travel around with him to schools where he goes in and he talks about the mistakes that he made, the decision he made that night, the, the horrible repercussions of that one decision that he'd made. And, and, and he's gone to every member of the family that he can find and he's begged their forgiveness and he's tried to do everything he can within his power because let's face it, you, like he said, I don't know if you heard him, but I can't bring Megan and Lisa back. And, and I don't know if you heard it there at the end, but he said, I would gladly give my life if it would bring them back. And he just, he's gone to all the family and he's, he's asked for their forgiveness and tried to make restitution and he's accepted responsibility for what he's done. And Eric said this, and I've heard this as I talk to, I, I talk to a lot of people. Uh, I get the opportunity to, to spend time talking to people and I've heard this one thing over and over and over again. And it's something that, that Eric has said. He said, the toughest thing that I had to do was forgive myself. I've had people look at me and say, Brett, I know Jesus forgives me, but I can't forgive me. 
And so when I hear that, this is what I look at them and say. So what you're telling me is that the death of Jesus on the cross is not sufficient for your forgiveness. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, that is what you're saying if you're telling me that you can't forgive yourself even though Jesus forgives you. Somebody in here this morning's probably walked in thinking Jesus could never forgive me. Not for what I've done. And if, and if, even if Jesus could forgive me, I can't forgive myself. Listen, when you say that, what you're saying is the death of Christ is not sufficient for your sin. And that's just simply not true. So don't be defined by your bad choices and don't let your bad choices disqualify you. Good choices are important. I think there are three things that Jonah might say to us if he were to come out and run alongside of us. Number one is, use God's word to guide you. In the Bibles that you saw me give away to the graduates this morning, I spent time this week, uh, uh, quite a bit of time actually, it took me quite a while to do it, I wrote on the inside a cover of all of those Bibles to the graduates. And I basically told them that the choices they make in life will determine where their life ends up. You can make really good choices, and for the most part, if you make really good choices, your life ends up in really good places. If you make really poor choices, your life can end up in some really poor places. I told them that we give them Bibles for a reason. There's a reason we put a Bible in their hands, because we believe that is the best book you can have in your possession to make the choices that you're going to make. The Bible will always guide you to God's best for you. And I've said this before, but I can't say this enough times. There is a lot of freedom in Christ. There is a ton of freedom in Christ. But that does not mean that from time to time, God does not put things out of bounds for us. God occasionally says, no, no, don't do that. And people, you know, when they talk about coming to church, I don't want to go to church. I don't want somebody telling me what I can and cannot do. Listen, God sets certain things out of bounds, and God says no to you for the same reason if you're a parent, you say no to your kids. See, if you're not a parent, you can't fully appreciate and understand God as a father until you've had some role in someone's life where you have to set something out of bounds, where you've said no to them, and when you've said no to them, you didn't do it because you were trying to ruin their fun. I've heard people say God's just a cosmic killjoy. He's just trying to spoil my fun. No, God loves you. And he loves me. And when he says no, what he's saying is, I'm trying to protect you and I'm trying to provide for you. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word is meant to illuminate your path. So the first thing is, use God's word to guide you. Second thing is, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guide on this journey. John says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom in our life. And I need to say this, this is important. The voice of the spirit that you hear will not ever contradict or be contrary to the written word of God, okay? Those two things will always line up. So if you ever hear, you think you hear God speaking to you, you say, Brett, how do I know it's God speaking to me? The best way you can know that God is speaking to you is when you spend time in his word. Because when he speaks to you, it's going to be backed up by what you get out of this book. The Spirit's voice and the word of God will not be in conflict. Make sure that those two things line up with each other always. 
here's some things that you might ask yourself as you make decisions. Number one, are my choices God-honoring? Are my choices God-honoring? I, I would just tell you this. I, I, when I do the Jesus talk with people, we come to a part where I, I, I talk about um, when you wake up in the morning. See, when you give your life to Christ, what happens is not only are the sins that you have committed forgiven, but, but every sin that you will ever commit in your life that you haven't even committed yet, when you give your life to Christ, every sin that you will ever commit in your life is forgiven. You are a forgiven person. So I talk about live your life as a forgiven person. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means I wake up every day of my life, and I do this just about every day of my life. And I wake up, and my prayer is, God, in light of what you have done for me, you have taken every sin I have ever committed, and you have blotted my life completely clean of that sin. How can I take this day and live it to your full glory and your full honor. God, I am a mess. I make horrible decisions. I am prone to sin and failure. But God, I, and you know, it's not going to be a surprise when I sin, God. You already know I'm going to. But how do I take this day and live it to your full glory and honor? So one of the things you want to ask yourself is, are my choices God honoring? Number two, how will this affect my spiritual health? One of the precautions I gave the graduates was about the people they choose to associate with whom they choose to associate. See, it's really hard, graduates, listen to me. It's really hard to make good friends. Do you know why? Because good friends are selective and they don't just let anybody in their world. They will hold you off at a distance to make sure that you are worthy to be in their world. That doesn't make them snooty or haughty, it makes them smart. And you would be very wise to make sure that the people you let into your life to have influence over your psyche and over your decision-making are people that are going to encourage you to make the right kinds of decisions. How will this affect my spiritual health? How far you go in life, graduates, is largely determined by the people you surround yourself with. Finally, how will this decision affect the people closest to me? Because sometimes the decisions we make can have tremendous fallout for the people around us. The third thing I think that Jonah would say is seek godly counsel. Proverbs 13, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. The man you see on the screen is J James Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary in China for 51 years. He began when he was 17 years old and he died 113 years ago on this date. In 1905, he once said, God always gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. I've got Warren Wearsby. That is not Warren Wearsby that said that. James Hudson Taylor said that. God always gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. Somebody in here would say, Brett, I can identify with Jonah. I can identify with Eric Smallridge. I mean, I didn't have, some, I didn't, wasn't responsible for somebody dying, but I've done things that are horrible that I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to go get over, and I just don't know if there's any hope for me. I don't know that God would even want me. Listen to me. Every one of us in this room is jacked up. I say that all the time, right? We are a jacked up bunch of people. There's not a one of us in here who has sinned beyond God's ability to forgive us. Do you hear me? 
You have not sinned beyond God's ability to forgive you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care who got hurt. I don't care what the fallout is. You cannot sin beyond God's capacity for grace. You can't do it. I want to show you a picture. <clears throat> That's Boomer. And um, you ever heard the expression, dumber than a bag of hammers? You look that slogan up in whatever book you'd find that, and you'd find Boomer's picture next to it. And this is Boomer. Uh, I saw Boomer get born, and uh, uh, this is toward the end of Boomer's life. He's gone on to doggy heaven. But um, he was a, he's a sweet dog, but he was dumber than a bag of hammers. We had to keep him in a pen um, in a fenced backyard, and if he got out a time or two, and it was always crazy because he just didn't know what to do. He just was, freedom! And so... One day he got out of the chain link fence, he got through the gate, and he's running around the cars in the drive, and at the time I lived um, out in Sealyville on 40, and, and uh, I was trying to get him to come to me. Now, I used to get aggravated with Boomer, but I loved Boomer. Boomer was a good, he was a sweet little dog. He wouldn't hurt anybody. He just was dumber than a bag of hammers. And I'm the one that I mean, we all took care of him, but I'm the, I, I provided for him. I gave him food. I made sure he got in out of the rain because he didn't even know how to get in out of the rain. You know, he, he just made sure he was warm. Made sure I made sure that dog had everything he needed to have a really good life. And here, this day, he's out running around in the driveway. We've got a long driveway out to 40, and he comes around. I'm calling for him to come to me, and he's so excited. And he rounds the corner and he sees me, and all he sees is restriction. All he sees is, oh no, I'm not running to him. Now, I love him. I want only what's best for this little dog. I want to make sure he doesn't get hit or run over. I want to make sure he's protected. I want to wrap my arms around him and make sure that nothing bad happens to him. Relax, the dog does not get run over, okay? He sees me and he does an about face and he is on a dead run for Highway 40. And I'm calling to him, Boomer! Boomer! Come back! And he will not turn around. Luckily, Tanner stepped out. He's at the end of the driveway because he'd been looking for Boomer. And he scooped him up before he could run past him and he ran him back to the house. We got him into the pen and Boomer was safe. Some of you in the room this morning, I'm not saying you're dumber than a bag of hammers, but you're running from the one who loves you more than anyone else can love you. You're running from the one who protects you and provides for you and has sent his son to die on a cross for you. How in the world can you convince yourself that you need to run from that person? I'll never understand it. I watch people run from God, the one person who's capable of changing their life, and they run in the other direction. Do not run from God. Some of you've walked in here this morning and you're in the middle of the storm. You're Jonah. And the storm rages. It's relational. 
it's marriage, it's work, it's kids, it's money, it's health. And all you see is the storm and you can't even sense God is close to you. As we close this morning, I want to pray over those two groups of people, those who are in the storm and those who are on the run away from God. To the one running, I would tell you, stop. Turn around. Run to Him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, for those in the storm, You know intimately what is going on in their life. You know the fears they're experiencing. You know how scary this is. Father, it may even be the result of their own bad decision. I pray if that's the case, you would help them repent and run to you because you have a plan for them and you are going to rescue them. And I pray that they would have the faith and the courage to run in your direction. And Father, for the person who's walked in here who's been trying to get away from you and thinks that if they give their life to you that things are going to go bad. Father, I pray that they would see that you will take them to new heights and new places and new things and that one at one point in their life they would finally say, praise God, I finally stopped running and I ran into the arms of Jesus. Father, I pray for that one this morning that that decision would be made. And Father, all of this we pray in the precious, holy name of Jesus.